Welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. All right, welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone. I want to thank everyone for coming out this morning to get a portion of God's Word. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our risen Savior this morning, the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for making all this possible for us by going to the cross, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and becoming the final sacrifice for our sins so we can have a new life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here on planet Earth for all who believe in the one and only Son of God. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal is to grow spiritually and to start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. We study it, learn it, and apply it to see how God wants us to live, how to think, how to act, how to serve, how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. One body, many parts. I want to personally welcome you all to the way. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. I also want to say hello to our family who are watching from the live feed, who can't be here with us. If you'd like to worship with us in unity of the spirit, together this morning, we love you all and thank you for your continued support. And if you do have a cell phone, can you please silence it? so it doesn't disturb this morning's service. And we start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus, thank you for giving us this beautiful day and this beautiful opportunity to gather together as your family to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and place your name above all names, Lord, even our own, As all of us fight to put you first in our lives, Lord, thank you for your matchless grace and tender-hearted mercies that begin afresh every morning, Lord, for without that we would never be able to go on and carry out your will for our lives, Lord. I pray for all of us, Lord, you take all the bitterness, resentment, give us all holy amnesia from yesterday, Lord, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead in the spirit, Lord. Thank you so much for allowing us this opportunity, Lord. Thank you for giving us this beautiful church and the talent to fix it and restore it to its former glory, Lord. We're grateful for each and every one of us in the body. I pray for unity in all the churches, Lord, that we all go back to the roots of the Bible as our owner's manual, Lord. And if anyone's sick and not feeling well, we say a special prayer for Dave's father who might not be feeling well, that you heal him quickly, Lord, and reach out to him and touch his life, Lord, and bring him closer to you through the adversities, Lord. And anyone else who might need a prayer out there. And as always, let everything be led by your spirit this morning, Father, and not our flesh. In Jesus' powerful name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand and worship the Lord.
does so many great things for us. Beautiful song, beautiful voice. Look how beautiful our church is looking. I mean, that's not a great thing. If anybody can remember, a little over a year ago, this church was uh, almost going to close down. God saw it different. No man can close the door that God's opens. Amen? And you stay faithful to him, and he'll stay faithful to you. And here's the evidence right here. And look how beautiful the church is coming along. It's coming alive again. All it takes is one person to have the faith to keep it going, and everything else follows. Amen? Follow Jesus as he follow, we follow Jesus. That's what we do here. So just remember, we still have a lot more work to be done. We have to put guardrails up over there so none of you drive over the side, and I don't have to call a tow truck and get you to my body shop. So we're going to put guardrails up. We're going to put railings up so you don't fall down the stairs. Okay? So we're going to make sure everything's safe, and we got to... We're going to pave it and blacktop it and put the lines in so everybody knows where to park and everything's good. Amen? Amen. So keep continuing to support the mission. Amen? One body, many parts. And I want to thank everybody that participates in getting the work done. Awesome. All right, how's everybody doing this morning? It's good to see everybody. It really is. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 60. I'm going to start there this morning. I'm going to continue our spiritual warfare message. And as I've been teaching this message, the devil's been attacking me ever since I've been starting to do it. But let me tell you something. When we're done with this message, you will understand what really goes on behind in the spiritual darkness. Amen? You're going, going to be aware of what's really going on out there. We're going to bring all the darkness to light so we can fight the right enemy. Okay, Isaiah 60, she's got us in verse 20. <laughs> Come on. Now. Back up the verse, I'll give you a break. Go to verse 16. As always, the Holy Spirit will be taken over, so please prepare your hearts and clear your minds to receive the message that the Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning, amen? It's gonna take focus, in concentration and get this inside of us. Okay, verse 16. Isaiah chapter 60. Powerful kings and mighty nations will satisfy your every need. As though you were a child nursing at the breast of a queen, you will know at last that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel. I will exchange your bronze for gold, your iron for silver, your wood for bronze, and your stones for iron. I will make peace your leader, and righteousness your ruler. Violence will disappear from your land. The desolation and destruction of war will end. Salvation will surround you like city walls, and praise will be on the lips of all who enter there. No longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light by night, for the Lord your God will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set, your moon will not go down, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. Your days of mourning will come to an end, all your people will be righteous, 
They will possess their land forever, for I will plant them there with my own hands in order to bring myself glory. The smallest family will become a thousand people, and the tiniest group will become a mighty nation at the right time. I, the Lord, will make it happen. Big amen there. One day is going to come, woman. No more pain, no more suffering. We'll be in a kingdom full with joy and peace. No more sin and no more suffering, the Lord says. And now we're patiently waiting for that day to come. And as we get prepared, what do we do while we're waiting? We become like him while we're waiting and bring others into the kingdom. Can I get a big amen there? We no longer live for ourselves. We live for the one who created us and saved us. Amen. That's the transition of our spiritual awakening. A big amen there. All right. Let's get on to our study. I'm going to talk about some truths about spiritual warfare. I'm going to say it right. Truths. Not truths. truths. I'm not going to do my cousin Vinny this morning. All right? I'll give you a break. I might. I make no promises because he never took away my personality. And I'm going to use it where it has to be used. I can lighten up the load here. All right. So what should we recognize about the spiritual battle being waged in our everyday lives? Christians are not the only ones who have historically been interested in or aware of the spiritual realm. Okay, the existence of angels and demons and those forces that interact with our world. There exists an extensive Jewish theology of angels apart from the Old Testament. Remote peoples live in fear of evil spirits. Movies like The Exorcist, The Fallen, and Legion, or songs like Sympathy for the Devil and Demons propel the subject into pop culture consciousness, usually lacking the clarity of biblical truth. But the Bible is clear that a spiritual world exists, that spiritual warfare is a significant part of reality. In Daniel chapter 10, and we did a study on Daniel, go back into the archives of our website and go and study that. It's an awesome book. We studied it extensively. We are told of a demonic spirit there, the Prince of Persia, right? Who interfered with Daniel's answered prayer, becoming communicated to him. In the Gospels, we are made privy to the encounters Jesus and his disciples had with demons. Matthew 8, 16, Mark 1, 29, 5, 1 to 13, and Luke 9, verse 1. The epistles further warn of Satan's scheme in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, Ephesians 6, 11, and 1 Peter 5, 8. What then should we recognize about the spiritual warfare in which we are engulfed in? Number one, demonic activity is real and it is damaging. Based on scripture, we learn that demons will, when given the opportunity, hurt people or cause them to hurt themselves. In Mark chapter 5 records a man under the influence of demonic spirits who lives among tombs and cuts himself repeatedly. In 1 Kings 18, the false prophets of Baal cut themselves in a bloodletting frenzy to get his attention. But physical damage is not their only weapon. Among many pre-modern peoples of the world today, demons bind them in fear and superstition while scientific people are deceived through skepticism. 
The former are captive to fear, while the latter are captive to pride. And we should always remember the very real influence of demonic forces around people who are tormented by addiction, victims of abuse or oppression, or those deceived by greed and worldly ambition. The powers beyond that is the devil. We are Christ's ambassadors empowered by the Holy Spirit, sent to implore people to be reconciled to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen here? So we have to understand people tormented by addictions, people victims of abuse or oppression, or those deceived by greed and worldly ambition that take them away from God and they fulfill their worldly desires. Who is behind all of that? There's a force behind that. It's called the devil, Satan. The second one I want to talk about, Jesus has authority over all of the spirit world. Okay? In Mark 5, 6 to 13, when Jesus converses with the demons inside the man, the original language alternates between singular and plural, hinting that one demon spoke for the legion. All of them, however, were fearful of Jesus' authority. Ephesians 6, as well as Daniel 10, allude to organizational structures in the spiritual domain, principalities, powers, evil rulers, princes, and the like. Wherever you find structures enforcing abuse, whether the Nazi final solution, Stalin's orchestrated famine in Ukraine, the chattel slave trade in America and England, or China and Myanmar, Persecuting minorities, you can be assured principalities and powers are at work behind the scenes, prompting people to carry out these evil things. Can I get an amen here? The Bible tells us to hate the sin and not the sinning, and not the sinner. And Jude tells us to hate the sin that contaminates their lives and pray for them that God will come in there and what? Cleanse them of that and change them. Big amen there, right? However, strong the ruler or authority is, they are already defeated as Colossians 2.15 says, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. So the devil has already been defeated. How about an amen? amen. You might not feel defeated, but it's not a feeling, it's a fact. And the devil will try to get you back in your feelings again and get defeated. How many of us are still running off our emotions? Our emotions are what kill us. Kill us spiritually and make us think about reasoning worldly instead of spiritually and submitting to God, resisting the devil, and he will flee. If we don't submit to God, he won't leave and he won't, we won't be able to resist him and he won't flee. Can I get an amen? We have to submit to God saying, I can't do this, only he can. The third one, Christians can engage people who are bound in sin in the name of Jesus. Without delving into whether how Christians can or should try to cast out demons, one thing is sure, when we live with the mind and heart of Jesus, we will see those who are being destroyed by demons as Jesus saw them. We will have hearts of compassion for the marginalized, the outcast, and the unloved. Compassion will drive us to share the gospel, which is the power of God in them. Go with me to Romans chapter 1, please. 
God sends, sends somebody to you that's in the world and suffering, he always tells us to share the hope that is within us. He puts us on that mission field. And we should what? Speak the gospel. Look at Romans 1, look at verse 16. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by being a good person. Oh, wait a minute, there must be a typo in there somewhere. The Bible says none of us are good, no, not one. All of us are fallen short of the glory of God. We become good people as the fruit of our salvation, not the condition of it. Can I get me men here? It says it right here. How we made right in his sight, it is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Or the righteous will live by faith. And he's quoting Habakkuk 2, verse 4. So what do we live by? Faith. Not by what we see, or by what we feel. If you live by faith, you'll be walking on this earth in joy and peace continuously. Knowing that God is in control, and nothing can happen, I mean not one thing can happen in your life, unless it's allowed by God. And he will give you the power to get out of it. If you trust him and not submit to him, resist the devil and he will flee. Can I get an amen here? He gives us the power we need. We don't have the power we need to resist temptation and desires. Okay. Being engaged is this part of, in this part of spiritual warfare requires us to think missionally about our lives. Right? When you go out every day, you're on the mission field. You're not here anymore to serve yourself. You're here to serve God. And when you wake up every morning, you, he puts you on the mission field. And whatever he puts in front of you, he wants you to show them Jesus. That is the mission. When you go out with a motive and a mission in your life, you will find more joy and peace than you can ever find in yourself going and following your own desires. Can I get an amen here? Unfortunately, it doesn't happen overnight. We still want what we want when we want it. All this in heaven too, but God calls us to crucify our flesh and walk in newness of life in the spirit. That's the sanctification process, and that's what takes over the power of sin that still controls us. Because the problem isn't anything else but us. We're the problem, Jesus is the solution, and the result is a miracle. Whenever you find yourself pointing fingers about why you are the way you are, blaming other people, places, and things, just remember to go in the bathroom and look in the mirror. Say, it's not them, it's me. And then you could what? Get on your knees, submit to God, say, I need you, Jesus, because I can't do this. It's humility that unlocks the power of God, not pride. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Didn't say some things, all things. Can I get an amen here? Big one. Amen. All right. You will have the same number of opportunities to engage people, but we will not always recognize the opportunities if we're stuck in our flesh. 
We are Christ's ambassadors empowered by the Holy Spirit, sent to implore people to be reconciled to God through the gospel of Jesus. So when you get up every morning, that is what the mission is, to bring people to Jesus. Not get your way down here and get your life fulfilled down here. Jesus is the only one that can fulfill your life. If you haven't figured that out yet, that's why you're still in such torment, trying to get satisfaction out in the world. Because it will never satisfy a Christian that's born again. Never. You could go buy all the material things, build the biggest houses, get the best and the best of everything. At the end of the day, you'll be saying, now what? It will never satisfy you. You will never be content as long as you're chasing after the things of this world. Can I get an amen? amen? So when you figure that out, when you start chasing the things of God, then you're going to really find freedom. All right. The, first, the fourth one. The gospel obliterates distinctions. Rome had entrenched social distinctions, slave and master, father and children, and class elitism. These distinctions were enforced to maintain a social order in order that was about to meet the people of God. The power of the gospel changed how people should view each other. You hear me now? As Paul wrote, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.28 The same ethos should be true for Christians today. Nobody is above anybody else, and we shouldn't think we need to be around elite people and people that are successful in this world. We're all successful in God's eyes. Can I get an amen? So don't be too impressed, and don't be too proud to share yourself with what? People that are a little bit, a little bit struggle a little bit more than you do. Can I get an amen here? We seem to sect ourselves in what? Compartmentalize ourselves with people that are doing what we do. Instead of looking for the lost and broken. And helping them back on the right path. And again, amen here. Amen. Admittedly, loving people on different sides of social gaps can be very hard. As a matter of fact, it can't be done in the flesh. Okay? We know that. In fact, the wider the gap, the harder the understanding and loving those on the other side can be. But it is no excuse for not trying. In early Christianity, compassion was a hallmark. Not because the upper class was drawn to the way, but because the early believers had learned from Jesus that compassion was not an add-on to the faith. It was an integral part of it. How can we disrupt principalities and powers? How can we bridge chasms with the gospel? How can we demonstrate Jesus' victory over spiritual authorities? Proclaim the gospel. How can we live as God intended? Believe the gospel. Spiritual warfare is real, ongoing, and all around us. It is not only an angels and demons thing. It involves Christ's victory that his people enter into, thereby demonstrating his supremacy over all creation and all we say and all we do. How about an amen there? Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Is everybody with me so far? Yes. We're all in the same boat here. Verse 
Verse 15, Colossians chapter 1. What fulfills all the commandments? Does anybody know? Love. Love does no wrong to anyone. So love fulfills the law. Jesus didn't come to take away the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. When you love someone, you don't hate. When you love someone, you don't steal from them. When you love someone, you obey every one of them commandments that God has given us. Why? Because we love God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And maybe not much of you have gone into that chapter very much lately, the 1 Corinthians 13, and read about what Christian love really is. I might have to bring us there. But we'll see. <laughs> you should be able to read it yourself. You should know it by heart. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's always hopeful. Endures through every circumstance. Love never gives up. Never keeps record of being wronged. Any scorekeepers in the room? Still what? Holding on to things that people did to them? Well, guess what? Jesus forgave you of everything. Who are you not to forgive anybody? Remember that. Jesus forgave you every sin that you ever committed or will continue to commit. And who are you not to forgive the people that hurt you? Can I get an amen here? All right, verse 15. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, you are spiritually dead. The Bible tells us. Verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. What is he saying here? If you want to know how to live while we're here, you would look the way Jesus lived in the Gospels. He's the image of the invisible God. That's how he wants you to live while you're here. And guess what? He gives you the power to do it. It's your choice whether you want to or not. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything. In the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Now what are the things we can't see? Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. We cannot see that. Just like when you're in the middle of praying. And this thought comes into your head that is the most ungodliest thought that ever came into your head. Where did that come from? Can you give me a logical reason or where it came from? Could you see it coming? Am I the only one that goes through this when I'm praying? It seems like I have amnesia when I'm praying. I forget the things I'm supposed to pray about and the devil tries to put other stuff in my head when I'm praying. Am I the only one that goes through this? Well, where does that come from? Can you give me an explanation scientifically? No, it comes from a force we cannot see. The minions, the devil is all around us and he puts these thoughts into our head and he tempts us and he entices us and it drags us away and lures us into sin again. Can I get an amen here? And then we get mad at God and say, I'm not going to pray today, I didn't get my way. And the devil's like, see, I got you. Who said you had to get your way? People come to Jesus for the wrong reasons. People don't come to Jesus because they need a savior. 
They come to Jesus because they want something from him. Now look what it says. Everything was created through him and for him. Verse 17. He existed before anything else. And guess what? He holds all creation together. Human beings cannot keep this world going. If it was up to us, it would be destroyed already. Everything we do, we destroy. He keeps it all together. Thank God he does. Christ, verse 18, is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead, or the firstborn from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. There is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. He shed his blood so we could be right with God again. This includes you, who was once far away from God. Now, why were you far away from God? It's going to say, you were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Our evil thoughts and actions is what separated us from God. And believe me, as a Christian, if you still continue to have them, they still will separate you from God. It's a choice. Yet now, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ and his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own... Listen now. Can everybody hear me say amen? amen. Listen, listen to what happened now. This is not a feeling. Listen to what happened. As a result of him dying for you, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. You are flawless before God this morning because of what Jesus did for you. Now, the devil is not going to make you feel flawless. But guess what? You are flawless in God's eyes. He sees Jesus in each one of us. And what he's trying to do is what? Grow us up so we can see Jesus in us too. That's the sanctification process and that's the struggle we have. And the devil's always in there trying to tell us, you think you're, you're like Jesus. Look what you just did. Look what you just talked about. Look what you just drank. Look what you just ate. Look at all these things that you're doing saying that you belong to Jesus. I don't belong to Jesus by what I eat, drink, and think. I belong to Jesus by what I believe. See, once you believe it, you become it. See, once you believe the power that you have, when you really believe it, then you get the power. Until you believe it, you don't get it. It's unbelief that keeps you from the power you need to overcome your flesh. Can I get any men here? It's unbelief. You hear it, but you don't. You see it, but you don't. When you believe it, then you receive it. So anybody can say, oh, I believe in Jesus. Even the devil says that. But you become what you believe. So you can become a child of God, or you can become a child of the devil. It's up to you. He never takes away our free will choices. Can I get an amen? Sometimes we wish he would. Because we still make some bad ones. Don't we now? Thank God for his grace and mercy that begins afresh every day. Or all of us are bound for hell. Thank God it's not conditional. Right? It's unconditional. 
He, didn't, he don't save us by what we do. He saves us by who we are. And what we do is a result of who we are. So for a child of God, we do things of God. When we're children of the devil, we do things of the devil. So you have to evaluate yourself and say, how am I living? Am I living for God or am I living for myself and the devil? Guess what? The choice is yours. But one thing I just want to warn you about, people in this church, you're without excuse. Because I teach you everything you need to live a godly life. Whether you choose to live it or not is on you and between you and God. But you will get judged for it. My hands are clean of it because I'm teaching it the right way. Can I get any men here? Now listen what it says. And for, he made peace with everything in heaven and means of Christ. In verse 21, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ and his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Here's the Bible, but. But you must continue to believe. You see it? You must continue to believe that truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Can I get amen? You must believe it and stand firm in it, that you are washed in his blood, and you are spotless and blameless in his sight. And when you can believe that, you can become that. How many of us want to become that? I do. What gets in the way? I do. This mind is infected with the world. It wants what the world wants. And the Bible says, no, you don't want what the world wants. You want what I want. Do not love the world or the things of it anymore. When you're a real, true believer in Jesus Christ, you do not love the things of the world anymore. You love the things of the word. And that's what, that's what carries you through. Can I get an amen here? So don't deceive yourself. Believe what the Bible tells you. If you believe it, you will become it. Now, anybody should be checking themselves and saying, am I believing this or am I just coming to church and then going my own way and living like I want? The choice is whose? Yours. And does God condemn you for it? No, he lets you go. You want to go this way? Go ahead. I'll see you when you get back, if you do. That's why it's so important to stay gathered with the flock that are following Jesus so you don't get picked off by the devil who's prowling around looking for someone to devour. Can I get any men here? All right. Now we're going to talk about some of these things. Some of the signs that you're in a spiritual battle and how to win this battle. Can I get any men here? All right. I'm going to name some things that cause that we're in a spiritual battle. The first one is fatigue. Okay? The first one is fatigue. The second one is anxiety. The third one is stress. The fourth one is temptation. The fifth one is fear. The other one is despair. And lies. And revenge. Sound familiar? Some of these, these are some of the devil's favorite schemes for eroding our faith in God. He wants us to believe that we're stuck. That our situation is hopeless. 
that defeat is our destiny. If we're not careful, these deceptions set us on a slippery slope to spiritual defeat. We're going to talk about Satan's profile. He's the father of lies. Just remember who he is. As the most dangerous winds may enter a little opening, so the devil never enters more dangerously than by little unobserved incidents, which seem to be nothing, yet insensibly open the heart to great temptations. The best way to wall off our heart from Satan's enticement is to know the scriptures. Jesus fought the devil with scriptures and nothing but scriptures. Can I get an amen here? They teach us how to withstand the enemy's ploys by giving us a glimpse of his character, tactics, and purpose. Here are a few descriptions of Satan from the Bible. He's a murderer. Jesus told a group of unbelieving Jews, you are, your, you are of your father, the devil, and he desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. That's John chapter 8, verse 44. Continuing, he's a liar. Continuing in John 8, 44, Jesus describes Satan's deception. The devil does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So when you lie, guess who, guess who it is? Does Jesus lie? So when you're lying, guess who you're following? The father of lies, not my father in heaven. So how many of us are liars? All of us. You can't sit here and tell me that none of you has ever lied in your life. You'd be a liar. <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. Look, if you weren't a liar, you wouldn't need a savior. And if you weren't a murderer at heart, you wouldn't need a savior either. Because Jesus says, even if you have hatred in your heart, it's just like you're a murderer. So all of us have it. Why do you think we need a savior? Not me, I'm a good person. Really? Look in the mirror when something ain't going your way and you're mad. We'll see how good you really are when you're really aggravated with somebody. Now the devil takes over and says, don't sin by letting anger control you. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. How many of us can agree with that one? Thank you. We're all in the same boat here. We're all liars, murderers, thieves, all of us all are. And when you can admit that, then Jesus can do something in you. Other than that, he can't help you. Your own righteousness can't save you. Knowing these facts about our enemy, why do we still fall into his traps? Often, we give in to distractions. If the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. If he can't make us bad, he makes us busy. Satan creates all sorts of distraction to keep us from studying our Bibles, attending church, and praying. He will do anything to keep us from realizing that Jesus already defeated him at the cross. Colossians 2.15. And that we can overcome his schemes in Ephesians 6.11. How many of us get busy, busy, busy? Oh, I can't make it to church. I'm busy. I can't read my Bible today. I'm too busy. Busy, busy, busy. Guess where that comes from? 
Guess what? That's not from God. That's from your flesh and the devil. Or make an excuse not to be in church with other believers to what? Fellowship with them. If I told everybody, guess what? You come to church at 10 o'clock, there's a million dollars waiting for you on the table. We'll see how many people can't make it. We'll see how many people can't make it. So don't go around and tell me you can't be here for any other reason. Because if you put Jesus first in your life, you will be here. Because you can't live without him. So don't make excuses, okay? Don't try to make one with me anyway. Because I'm not buying it. Because I'm dead without him. I might as well just kill myself right now without Jesus. I walk away from this, all bets are off. You walk away from it, all bets are off for you too, trust me. It'll be a slow, subtle death for you. Because once you got Jesus, he never lets you go. And he will torment you. He will torment you when you walk away from him until you find your way back here. Thank God you're his child. He will torture you till you come back. He will convict you and convict you and convict you. You put your head on the pillow at night and feel shame and guilt that I didn't go to church and read my Bible. You'd be so, say, you know what? I'm just going to do it. This way I won't feel it. <laughs> What's the solution? Read the Bible and go to church. And what do we do? We still fight that. When that's really the tormentor, God's the one who sends the torment. Don't you realize that? To get you back to him. Look, two things are going to happen to you. You're going to get bitter and walk away. Or you're going to get better and get closer to Jesus. Either way, it's up to you. But he's never going to give up on you. I give up on me before he does. All the times I want to walk away, he says, no, you can't walk away. I own you. You're my slave. I say, thank you, Jesus, because I used to be a slave to the devil, and I can't be a slave to him anymore. So I've got to be a slave to you. The result is a lot better. I get an amen here. Okay, listen now. Some struggles have physical solutions. Listen to me now. I'm trying to teach you something here. We might reduce our fatigue by getting more rest or improve our spirits by enjoying the company of loved ones. But if we're not careful, Satan moves the battle into the spiritual realm. Listen now. He waits for a moment of weakness, and then he tells us we're alone in the struggle. As worry fills our heart, we wonder how we will ever meet the deadline, restore the relationship, or pay all the bills. Fear and anxiety grow to the point that seem like unavoidable realities. Can I get an amen here? I got the sign on TV. I saw some spooge on my face or something. That's good. Good. That's good. Don't let anybody walk around with mustard on their face. Tell them. You know what I'm saying? Be, be nice. Don't, don't let them get laughed at. You know what? I want to hurt their feels. I want to tell them it's a big book hanging out of their nose. No, tell them. And they'll thank you later. Say, good. Get a tissue and blow my nose. Before it falls on somebody or hit somebody. Whatever. Tell them. Thank you. It's the truth that'll set you free. <laughs> See, we can enjoy the service, right? 
<laughs> the truth. All right. Now listen, nothing can be further from the truth. You are not defeated. Okay? We can be confident that he who has begun the good work in us, listen to me now, will complete it until the day Jesus Christ returns. Philippians 1.6. Psalm 121 describes God as a helper, a keeper, and the preserver of our soul. He will not allow your foot to be moved. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Psalm 121, 3, 7, and 8. God never leaves us helpless. One more before I let us go. Fatigue. This is the devil's eighth trump. Fatigue. For generations, the nation of Israel rebelled against God. Eventually, he withdrew his protection and allowed the Babylonians to carry them into exile. The people quickly lost heart. When they complained that God was no longer concerned about their welfare, he sent a prophet named Isaiah to assure them. Isaiah asked the people, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor grows weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases in strength. He gives power to the powerless. Now, if you're a prideful son of a gun in church, you're going to try to do this in your own strength. And God will break you until you submit to him. And you're going to have a miserable trip down here until you go home to be with him. Because your pride will keep you from what? Experiencing all the freedom that God wants you to have. Believe me, you're nothing without him. Everything you have comes from him. Everything that you possess, every ability you have to make money, every ability you have to work, it all comes from him. It has nothing to do with you. It's a gift from God. And when you give him glory... He will glorify you by giving you all the peace and joy and rewards for doing his will and not your will. Can I get an amen here? Have you lost heart? Let me ask you this before we close. Do you feel as if God has forgotten you? Rest assured, when you are at the end of your rope, God is just getting started with you. You hearing me? When you're at the end of yourself, is when God is going to get started with you. Just as he delivered Israel from Babylon, Almighty God will give you strength to endure your trials. Don't you dare go to the world. You go right to Jesus, and he will give you the strength you need. And if you need it, you go pray with other people. You pray with other believers. You pray, pray, pray. And he will answer if it's in his will. How, did, how does he know? Why does he love when you pray? Because you're trusting him when you go pray. Say, Lord, I can't do this. Help me, Lord, please. I'm powerless without you. But when you don't pray, admit that you're powerless, he says, go ahead. You think you've got power? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go over the cliff. I'll be here when you get back. But I'm not chasing you. One thing, remember the prodigal? He wanted all his inheritance. God let him go into the pig pen, right, until he had nothing. Then he finally looked up and said, I need you, Lord. That's when he came home. So let me tell you something. When you get to the bottom, it's when God is just going to stop with you. 
So bottom up, the best thing you can do is get broken. Because that's where the blessing begins. Don't avoid getting broken because that's where it starts. A lot of us don't want to get broken. So we do things of the world to keep us from getting broken. You got to what? Release that and get broken and humble. You notice when the tragedy comes, how quickly you get on your knees for Jesus. But when you're getting blessed, how we forget about him. We think that we're doing it in our own power. Thank you. All right, we're going to close there. We'll get back to this when we start. I'm going to call the ushers up for the collection. Thank you for letting me share that. Hang in there, believers. Thank you. All right, we're going to stand. Ricky's going to come up and sing, and we're going to close.
thank you God once again for grace. May we bow our head and thank our amazing God for all he does for us each day. Lord, Paul said in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, that we have to let go of what lies behind so we can move forward to what's ahead. And we just want to remember what lies behind, only to remember the victory that God brought us through by trusting him. And may we press forward knowing as our pastor has taught us today where the battle is and how to overcome it. There's victory in Jesus. Yes. And he said in Matthew 11, 28, 29, come to me, all ye who are weary and heaven laden, and I will give you rest. May we all today take our burden and ask the Lord to carry it for us, give it to him. And may we reach out as Jesus did to others. May we be God in skin so that they may see Jesus through us and come to know him. So as each one of us leaves today, we ask that you bless us, protect us, and maybe reach out and maybe pray for one another. And thank you, Lord, for this beautiful family. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Right. Thanks, Cindy. All right, the service is over. Go and have a great day. Until we meet again, God bless. Peace. Peace.